Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know us, we're that HR dashboard company that's helping all of you HR and people leaders out there become more data-driven without having to be an expert in spreadsheets and learn how to do things like build pivot tables. A lot of you are even asking, what's a pivot table? That's the point. That's why we built Employee Cycle, an HR dashboard that has pre-built integration connectors to the most popular HR systems you're all using. Systems like Bamboo HR, Namely, ADP, Trinet, 15.5, Greenhouse, Lattice. Too many systems for me to talk about in this intro. You simply connect your different HR systems to the dashboard. We pull in all your data so you, your team, and anybody who wants to see this data can view, share, track, and analyze it all from one unified view. Go to EmployeeCycle.com, check us out. We'd love to give you a demo and discuss how we can help automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company because I want to introduce a very special guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Kelly Gatta. She's the Chief Operations and People Officer at Creative Materials Corporation. And today we're going to discuss why the future of work is already here. Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate the nice introduction. Of course. So, Kelly, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Well, Bruce, (laughs) I went to school for psychology and decided I didn't want to do clinical psychology, but also then realized that psychology uh, has a lot of principles that are also kind of grounded in HR. So pivoted and went for my MBA focusing in HR and stepped into first role in HR, loved it, kept aspiring, kept the passion, and honestly just continued to grow up in the function and eventually landed my way here. But I've, I've grown up in it and I love it. You know, it's kind of a dream job. Awesome. And so today we want to talk about the future of work and why the future of work in HR already seems to be here in the present. And so I want to kick this off by asking you, what does the future of work mean to you? So many people say the future of work as a CEO of an HR tech company, there's now a lot of funds out there around the future of work, but some are around HR tech, some are around productivity tech. What exactly does the future of work mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it's a pretty overarching topic. I think that you know, for me, in in the short term, I think what it means is learning how to work in a dispersed workforce. So you know, where people aren't physically present together, but need to collaborate to achieve common goals. Um, you know, fast forward beyond that future, future. I think it's going to mean things like what is, you know, what is now being done via technology? Um, we're there today, actually, with some of that. But I think that'll continue to evolve. And then where where does the human touch come in? Where does that still, you know, be, have a need? You know, with things like machine learning and, you know, machines having the ability to almost learn like people, this is going to continue to evolve and evolve fast. And I, I just think that we're in for something, some of which we won't even be able to predict, but um, can only start to prepare ourselves for. But ultimately, I think, you know, like I said, more short near term, especially with the pandemic, 
that's somewhat sped this up. Uh, we're, we're looking a lot right now at, hey, you know, people are out there in the world. They've experienced a year plus of being able to have more flexibility. A large majority have, and they want to continue that. But, you know, that said, I, workforces in terms of companies aren't all necessarily prepared to handle that. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's how do we continue to successfully meet business goals and balance the employee needs? Because at the end of the day, there is no business without your employees. So you kind of need to bring it together. <laughs> when I think of the future of work, it reminds me of where we are in the car industry. And what I mean by that, there's such a wide spectrum of cars on the road right now that really shows the past, present, and future. And so there are cars on the road where you still have to roll down the window manually, <laughs> which, which just sounds kind of crazy. And, but then on the same road, there's self-driving cars mm-hmm. that don't have anybody in them. And then there's cars that are somewhere in between both of those spectrums. And so when I draw that parallel to HR, we still have a ton of companies running their HR in pen and paper. Yes. And then we have, to your point, machine learning and predictive analytics and video recruiting and then HR and all spectrum and all the different levels and areas of the spectrum in between. And so it's interesting, and I would like for you to give some context around where do you believe is the actual present and the actual future? What what types of things are we talking about that people may think is the future, but it's actually here, like self-driving cars? But then what are some of the things that are really very present, but then they actually need to be moved into the future. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what's already here, I I think you could even think about stuff in people's personal lives that they use, technology like Google Assistant and, you know, Alexa or even Siri, these, you know, automated assistants that, you know, some of which can actually call and make appointments for somebody on their behalf to a doctor or a hairdresser, um, complete virtual without their, you know, needing to do anything about that. So I, I think some of some of the way those interactions happen, even on a personal side, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of that seen on the work front in time. Um, in in terms of, you know, the current that's gonna need to shift and evolve, I mean you're right. There and honestly I'm I work in the construction industry, which is as antiquated as any industry at this point. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, pen and paper, that's very real, not just for HR, but for the other functions that exist within this industry. Um and and the reality is, you know, there's there's cross generations in, in the workforce right now. I think that as generations phase out of the workforce and new ones phase in, um, that's going to apply more pressure to some of these antiquated processes. And we're already starting to see it even in industries like construction, where we're going to see a lot of disruptive technology coming in, you know, where I refer to construction because it kind of is that antiquated way of still being you know, what we're starting to see in this industry is stuff that's already been seen in other industries and they're way further down the road. So it's now just being taken here and replicating what's happening elsewhere. Um, I I just think we're in for a world of change. Um, Paper and pen is going to be very hard to exchange data, you know, collaborate with teams, especially if it's manual, just because people are more dispersed and to be able to move fast, move quick, meet your customer needs it's changing, you know, customer needs are changing. So people want information, they want it when they want it, when they need it. And 
you know, they're not as willing to wait anymore, no matter what the industry is, because, you know, look at the iPhone, right? If, if you want to know something, you just pick up your phone and it's right there. It's a quick answer. So it's, I think of platforms like Amazon is one that people bring to the forefront a lot. But if you think about an Amazon, you know, they've made it very easy to do business. Um, they started out with just books. They've evolved that platform. They now, you know, have third party vendors on that platform. I mean, they've really been a good model for evolution of what starting small and then evolving into something much greater can be. And it's game changing. So I think there's a lot out there in the landscape in terms of what's here to stay and, and what and where we're going and you know what things in the current are going to evolve into the future. You mentioned a core component of the future of work being remote work, mm-hmm. where people can work wherever they need to, whenever they want to. In regards to remote work, it's such a big and hot topic right now in regards to does it kill productivity? Does it take away the, the the hard line between work life and personal life? How do you, how do you feel about this, and how do you believe that remote work will ultimately impact how we work and where employees will want to work, especially post pandemic? Because it's easy for people to say that they want to work at home when they have to work at home, and everybody's working at home. But when a lot of people may either go back to the office by way of force or from an optional standpoint, what do you think most people will sit on the fence in regards to wanting to work from home and how do you think it will impact the way that they work? Yeah. So I think that, I think what we'll see is actually, I don't think it'll be as polarizing as, you know, the majority wanting to be fully remote or the majority wanting to be fully in office. I do think that the days of people wanting to be fully in office are probably past. Um, in terms of their desires. Now, that doesn't speak to what their company allows at this point necessarily. But I do think it'll be more of a balance. I think people want flexibility. You know, I, I think that they may want more of a mix. You know, hey, I, I have a collaboration space I can go to. Um, I have freedom to do that in terms of what works for myself. But I also have the freedom to be remote when I need to be remote. Because, you know, work-life balance is an interesting, it's an interesting topic, right? And I think that with the pandemic, it's become even more real. I hate to keep referencing that, but I think that's what's really escalated, honestly, the topic and the subject matter being out there in the media and the news so much these days. Um, and people are trying to figure out how do, you, how do you cope with it? But for me, it's been more, I've always thought about it as work-life choices, And, you know, your work bleeds into your life and your life bleeds into your work. So it's really about, you know, kind of ebbing and flowing to make that work for for each individual um, while still being able to run a business. And I think that, you know, when I think of remote work, I think there's going to be more people who want remote work options than want to be physically present in an office. And I think that where we're at right now is there's more people out in the world that have a desire to do that than companies ready to take that on fully. And I think that, you know, it's actually a competitive advantage for businesses to start to get ahead of the game now and figure how can we provide our employees that flexibility and how can we operate to make this successful and really help be a launching pad for our competitive competitive advantage on talent. Because, look, if people can work from anywhere, um, you have more access into talent pools. You know, your talent pool is much broader you know, it's a big cultural element too. It's interesting when you get groups of people from different parts of the country working together and, you know, talking about each location and their individual unique cultures. Um, it, it really is interesting in terms of diversity of thought that it can bring to the table. And here's the other thing, you know, today I'd even say, even early on in this journey, 
you know, companies are struggling today with with retention now. You know, many who have said, hey, come back to the office, you know, not everybody's willing to do that. So they're struggling to keep employees and to hire new because people really are looking for that flexibility. Now, in terms of go forward, businesses, like I said, need to be able to prepare for that. They need to be able to figure out how do you make sure that your customer needs are achieved and that your employees are productive quite frankly, without being big brother and with allowing them to have some flexibility. Um, so I think that's on us. And I think that's on us as like, uh, you know, just in the industry to come together and, and brainstorm on best practice share. I think there's experiments going on here and there um, across companies with, you know, what's working for us? How do we really evolve this? How do we help leaders, you know, lead people and manage teams remotely? How do you hold people accountable when they're not physically present anymore? Because I think gone are the days of, you know, assessing people and their commitment and what they're delivering and their productivity based on seeing them physically sitting in their chair in an office. So I think a lot of this is going to change. And I I think we're going to be talking about things like, you know, not just the what I'm considering almost standard now of, you know, some optionality to, to work flexibly at home, but then to also come into the office. I think it's going to even evolve into, you know, core work hours, as an example, versus what's core work hours and what aren't core work hours and how people structure their days. You know, maybe they work a couple hours, you know, in the morning, but then they need two hours off. Maybe, you know, maybe they have appointments they need to get to. Maybe they have, you know, family needs. Maybe maybe they just want to go out for a run, but maybe, you know, they want to work from, you know, 10 to 12 at night. Everybody's really different. And I think the needs of businesses are different. And I think we need to figure out a way to marry these up because it's not going away. I think that there's, you know, some, including Jamie Diamond, who are, you know, big proponents of, hey, you need to be in the office. It's it's good for productivity. It's good for business. But I think over time, people are going to be more and more and more challenged to um, get people, you know, in their doors to do the work for them and be successful. And at the end of the day, people are the business. If you don't have your people, you don't have a business. So at some point, we've got to marry these two together and and kind of balance between what employees and people and individuals needs are and, you know, what businesses need to be successful. That's so much to think about. Wow. One of the things that really stood out to me was around the hours that people will work and how this will have to be some type of agreement between the employee and the employer around what are acceptable hours, what are mandatory hours, how can you take breaks? Can you shift the time? Can it be a certain amount of hours in the morning and then late at night? What does that look like? I'm curious, will those types of arrangements and unique work styles throughout the day only work for certain roles? Because I'm imagining if you are customer facing or maybe you're in a customer success role you need to be available within a certain period of time. Will that potentially keep a company from hiring in different time zones because people need to work in the same time zones as where most of their customers are? What are the the challenges, the variables, the different things you need to think about yeah. as you're trying to create this type of strategy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right. Look, it's not going to be for every role. Obviously, there's going to still be roles. Even, you know, hands-on manufacturing is a great example where, you know, there isn't machine automation, at least yet, to do um, a number of jobs. And maybe there won't be in, in a lot of cases, too. You know, there's still going to be these needs out there that humans need to be performing and you can't do them virtually. So I think that there is still going to be that challenge and that balance. You know, I think there's things to consider like, you know, is there a different way to do shift work in that regard? 
and to divide and conquer on the shifts in order to give people a little bit more flexibility. I think too, you know, in terms of you mentioned customers, I mean, look, customers are king. They'll always be king because again, without your employees, without your customers, you don't have, you don't have a business. Um, so I think being able to, to meet the customer needs is going to be front and center like hands down. So when I think about that, even for our company, you know, to me, it looks like potentially this, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it might be specifically, Hey, this customer service role, they can't have that flexibility. I'm more looking at it and saying, okay, our customer service roles, we need them to service our customers during these time zones or time blocks. These are heavy volume periods. How could we even flex within a team environment where team members can either job share or, you know, kind of marry up their schedule so that somebody's on at all times so that the customer needs are being responded to at all times. But it's kind of that balance of people getting what they need and us still being able to deliver and having the availability. It just may look a little different in terms of teamwork and how teams come together to make that happen. So, you know, I don't think it'll ever be 100%. We'll ever get away from the fact that there will be still a lot of um, spaces where people do need to go into the working environment. Um, but I also think some of that's going to come down to choice, too, you know, in terms of what career paths people choose. And there's going to be people who choose that type of career path where they go into it understanding, hey, I know that I'm going to have to be physically present to do that type of work because it's hard to do. Now, I would also say, you know, just kind of challenging the status quo on things, you know, look at telemedicine these days. It's, you know, I don't think I would have thought years ago that you could see your doctor virtually and get a diagnosis, um, get prescriptions over the phone, but they're doing it, you know, they're doing it. And that was pre-pandemic. So they're offering ways to do these careers quite differently in ways that quite frankly, I won't even be able to anticipate all of them, but you know, to be able to see a doctor online, you know, whatever equipment they've got to be able to assess your condition. I mean, that's pretty amazing to be able to do that because that is one a job that I would have said, hey, that's going to have to be physically done forever in person. Um, but it's not. And they're making it happen and actually evolving more to where that's more of the preferred method. And quite frankly, m- more uh, from a cost perspective, it's a better option. So I think that's out there as well. As an HR people leader listening to this show, what should they be taking away from this in regards to the mindset that they need to have to make sure that they're prepared for this? Because moving forward, it seems like HR, people ops, you know, whatever your title is in this world of helping your workforce thrive and perform and be productive, the role has totally changed. And anytime a role fundamentally changes, the whole mindset around the role needs to change as well. So what kind of mindset do you need to have? And I'll add to that, what kind of skills are required now for this role to be able to thrive and be successful? Absolutely. So, I mean, I I think we actually need to be pioneers of these changes. You know, I think you use the term pioneer, but it's a good term to use because I think as a function, we are looked at as kind of the, the well, the forward thinking function on this stuff, you know, when people look at anything related to the people or employees, they're looking at HR for guidance most of the time. So I think that we need to have a seat at the table, create our seat at the table, be a voice for, you know, what's evolving, not just in our own industries, but in other industries as well, from a people perspective all around and bring that outside in as perspective to our own company so that we're sharing and we're giving that different perspective beyond kind of the view within our four walls to say, hey, things are changing. And if we don't change, 
we might not be well positioned to be successful into the future, or maybe we will be, but I think it needs to be a conversation. And if it's not already being driven from anywhere else, I would encourage any HR leader to kind of grab the grab the bull by the horns and be the one to stand up and bring that conversation into their respective organizations um, and be on the forefront of it. And, you know, in terms of, you know, thriving and performing, I mean, people are looking to HR leadership at this point in terms of how to solve for these things go forward. And here's the craziest part is it's not like HR, you know, necessarily has any, you know, miraculous knowledge about the future because they're in the function of HR. You know, we're we're employees too kind of going through this unique evolution and facing into things that we've never seen before. So I think it's really a skill set about being open-minded, um, flexible, adaptable, um, intuitive, and, you know, looking again beyond the four walls that you that you know you're in in the companies that you're in. And just staying tuned into what's going on and, and paying attention to what are the people reactions of what's happening in the industry and how are people responding to those things and just being able to really into it, you know, what are some options in terms of how we can start to be on the forefront of driving the success in our business to help us be, you know, at, kind of at the front of everything. So I, I would say from an HR leadership standpoint, I think we're going to have to pave the way if we're not already. I think many people are starting to do that. But I think we need to think around how to pre- how to prepare our teams for that, how to prepare our CEOs for that, how to prepare um, our people leaders for that, and our employees for that, because it's it's a change. And I think there's got to be some empathy there too. Um, empathy and communication, I think, are going to be huge. Communication, especially, um, because you know, if if you're not physically sitting in the same in the same office, you know, many people haven't been for a while, and there's a lot that can be lost without you know, proper communication. So I can't stress that enough. I think communication is going to be a big one and figuring out how to do that um, broadly up and down the organization. Kelly, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest. And also just wanted to have a huge shout out for this being your very first podcast and you just crushing it. So I'm very impressed. And thank you for taking us into the future, which we have, or which you have thoroughly explained that the future is here already. And so thank you for all of that. And we really appreciate you being a part of the show and helping to uplift the HR community. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. Sure. And so where can people find you and Creative Materials online? Yeah, so they can find us at creativematerialscorporation.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Kelly Gatta. Again, it's under, uh, I'm the Kelly Gatta. That's the Chief People and Operations Officer for Creative Materials. So I can be found there as well. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all that contact info in the show notes. So everyone out there listening, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Kelly and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and also leave us a quick comment to let us know that you liked it and share some of the things that you really appreciated Kelly sharing. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast, but you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there. Please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.